that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome to another episode of Buckeye Talk. This is an emergency pod. It's Andrew's first emergency pod. And Nathan, the Pac-12 is dead. Well, I mean, it was already dying a year ago. It's been dying for a little bit now, but now it's actually dead. Just what has happened over the last couple of hours here? We're recording this on a Friday. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. And the Big Ten is growing and the Pac-12 is dying. Nathan, what's happening? Yeah, what it means for the Pac-12 is sort of immaterial for us. That'll be uh, somebody mm-hmm. out on the West Coast can do that podcast. What it means for <laughs> the Big Ten is it sounds like any minute now, and we're recording this Friday afternoon, but any minute now, Oregon and Washington are going to be formally invited or they're going to formally apply or whatever the dance is that has to happen. But Oregon and Washington are joining the Big Ten, and this will be an 18-team conference. And when we woke up Friday morning – you know, I, I, let's take it back before that. When we went to bed Thursday night, there was a lot of hand-wringing going on, and people thought the Pac-12 was really blowing it. And then they woke up Friday morning and like, you know, there's going to be this call today, and they're going to vote on a TV package, and maybe this thing will come together. And then <laughs> very shortly after that, I was like, nope, that ain't happening. And the Big Ten swooped. And there's a lot we don't know yet as far as the internal dynamics of the Big Ten and how exactly this played out. We don't know yet um, exactly what Ohio State's stance was on all of this. And I think that's important because Ohio State carries a lot of sway in this conference. And it, uh, it things usually don't move forward unless it has the support of someone like Ohio State. So those things are, are among other details, are still coming in. But it, the, the main crux is that this expands the Big Ten. It may, may make the... TV deal more lucrative. I think there are escalator clauses in that deal, if I remember correctly, if they were to add other entities, other members, other teams. So we'll see if the amount grows and who gets a share and who gets a full share and on all of that, uh, because that's what this is all about. And if it isn't, if it means less money for a big, for big 10 members than they were expecting to get, I don't think it would have happened. So I'm, I'm eager to find out some more details from the financial side, because that's really all that matters here. Does Ohio State now somehow get positioned in better, uh, a better place to go try to win national championships because it's adding Oregon and Washington to the Big 12 or to the Big 10? Andrew, you've not been on this pod long, but you've made it abundantly clear that you like traditional things. This is clearly a step, another step away from what you like already. From a, you're stepping into this covering the recruiting aspect of this for, for Cleveland.com. For Ohio State, adding more West Coast teams to the picture for a team who already recruits nationally, does it make it easier for them to continue to recruit in those areas regardless of what's going on with USC and Oregon and Washington as far as how prominent of a program they are at the moment? Does this help Ohio State's recruiting footprint at all as you continue to expand the Big Ten out West? No. Um, what are you, I'll I'll put it like this. Ohio state is, is a brand that, you know, right? Like Ohio state is a brand that if you live in Hawaii, if you live in Florida, if you live in New York, if you live in Texas, if you live in Montana, you know, Ohio state football, you know, Ohio state football, you know, Georgia, you know, Alabama, you know, USC, you know, Notre Dame, you know, Michigan, you know, the big boys, if you're anywhere. Right. And 
I'm not sure what I'm not sure what more trips to Oregon and Washington really get done if you're Ohio State. I'm not going to say that it's a negative for Ohio State recruiting. I don't think that, you know, you're looking at this going, oh, God, this is terrible for Ohio State recruiting. What I am curious about, and Nathan kind of touched on it briefly, the, the TV money. I'm You're at 18 now. What areas are the Big Ten in? The Midwest, you got the Mid-Atlantic, you got kind of up towards North, you got up towards New York. Now you have Southern California. Now you have the Pacific Northwest. What area don't you have? The Southeast. I'm curious to see. There's obviously been a ton of news lately about Florida State, about Clemson. They are very upset in terms of what is going on for for them in terms of their their TV deal their grant of rights now the ACC grant of rights is very very hard to get out of as we've as we've probably figured out that to me would be far more impactful than adding Oregon and Washington to Ohio State recruiting if if the Buckeyes all of the sudden are playing every other year ish give or take I mean what I mean what if what if the Big Ten adds Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, and Virginia. Just I picked the four teams that you hear kind of rumored. Now all of a sudden you're playing Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida. That to me matters way more than going out west. So I think that if you're looking for any benefit to Ohio State recruiting from this, or any, I mean, it's not a negative, but if you're looking for any benefit to that, you're going to have to wait until the next realignment cycle. So Nathan, the Big Ten just put out a schedule for the 2024 season, and they worked long and hard on trying to find a, a model that works for 16 teams. And now you're getting ready to add Oregon and Washington. Is there any impact? It, I mean, obviously this is happening in real time, so we're, we're trying to find out information in real time. The people who are reporting it are finding out real relation. Who reported it are finding out information in real time, but. What are the chances that schedule just gets thrown out the window and they now have to go back to the drawing board and find a new model because you just added two new variables to the equation that a week ago, 48 hours ago, weren't a part of this picture when you put the schedule out? What are the chances a schedule that doesn't include Oregon and Washington gets thrown out now that Oregon and Washington are in the league? Like a billion percent. Like, like they have to throw it out. Whether they will keep that same format, I don't know. Uh, the, the Flex Protect Plus, I believe they called it, uh, trademark, um, patent pending, whatever. Um, yeah, they, 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 that's gone. Uh, now, Ohio State will play Michigan still every year. For sure. Uh, I, whether it's, you know, the other part of that, the, the the where they were locked into playing Illinois and Northwestern for 2024-25, I think that becomes up in the air again just because they're going to have to shuffle some things around and it may be, you know, new teams that they, they put with everybody but i think probably they liked that concept i think you're gonna see i mean what they will if i were to guess i had to guess complete speculation they'll move forward with those same protected rivalries that they did for the one that they released in june plus adding at least oregon washington to that list possibly adding some other i don't know honestly the 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 rivalries in the pac-12 whether there would be some correlation between also USC, UCLA, and Oregon and Washington that needs to be mm-hmm. protected. I, I, I don't know that for sure. But 
they're obviously doing this in part because now you're adding a travel partner out West. So it would make sense that those teams get aligned somehow. So at the very least, what I think you would see was basically the format, the concept that was rolled out in June moves forward Add add the Oregon, Washington, um, crossover as a protected rivalry, and then just have to redo the schedule beyond that. But it's, it's going to be a little bit more complicated than that because 18 teams is different than 16 teams. And you're, you're still, I guess, playing just a nine game schedule. It, it, it does mean that, you know, one of the things that they wanted that the big 10 presidents and chancellors supposedly wanted, and Gene Smith had told me this months before everything went down with this new schedule that there was a lot of people who really want everybody to play everybody home and away at least once every four years. So is that still a priority? Can you still do that with 18 teams? I haven't done the math on that. And if, if not, then are you potentially entering a situation where it's going to be even longer before you play some of your usual conference rivals? I mean, we, there was some gnashing of teeth about how state no longer having a protected rival with, Penn State. Well, now if you get in a situation where you're not even playing them twice every four years and that gets pushed out, like th- that becomes a pretty fan-unfriendly experience, I think. The Big Ten's got a lot to figure out. The simplest thing amongst all the things that have happened over the past year and a half with this conference are they got rid of the divisions, <laughs> which was great in terms of the actual competitive football part of this, but now the actual details of how this is going to work out now get very interesting that's what we know that's what's fact right now is that right now as nathan said whatever way the dance goes there's going to be a decision of whether or not oregon or washington are going to be brought into this the big 10 conference after that you've got a year really to figure it out that's the facts when we come back we're going to have a small discussion discussion about something that's been an ongoing thing at buckeye talk and that's the idea of the nflization of college football and Andrew had brought up some other schools who have voiced their discontent with their certain situations. And when we come back, us three are going to have a conversation of, are we headed there or are we, are we here? Are we there with the NFLization of college football and more on that when we turn here on Buckeye talk. So in the NFL back here on Buckeye talk, they have two conferences. They have the AFC and they have the NFC. Within those conferences, they have a bunch of divisions based, and they're typically grouped with who's in your region, but it's two major conferences. As I said to open up this pod, the Pac-12 is dead at this point. The ACC has got whatever they've got going on with Clemson and Florida State. We don't cover the ACC, so we're not as worried about that. The SEC, two years ago, pulled in Oklahoma and Texas. Nathan, is that where we're headed here? Are we slowly but surely, maybe not even slowly at this point, creeping towards the NFLization of things where it's literally, we did a whole series about King of the North two years ago. Are we there where we're getting to the point where this is becoming a North versus a South conversation? Well, it's not going to be true NFLization unless everything comes together under one true centralized power structure. And we're still a very splintered power structure. And there's no better evidence of that than the fact that Oregon and Washington just um, said, see you later to their conference and are going to another conference. Like you don't, you know, the, the, the Browns don't just say, Oh, we're done with the AFC North. We're going to go be in the NFC East now. Like it's so until everything comes under one 
power structure, I, I, it's hard for me to really call it NFLization because you're still going to have all these factions that are out for themselves and, and, and working under their own best interests. And in, it, at times, you know, pulling, that means pulling teams away from other parts of the, of the power structure in, in college football. What I think we are moving towards, though, it, it's not what we are seeing is a centralization of the the money. I guess, like it's you know mm-hmm. it, it, the, the broadcast, the broadcast partners, the power that they have, the influence that they have, or what is behind a lot of these moves. And we'll find out more of that as you know. There's always these TikToks that come out after moments like this that explain what exactly happened, how the dance actually played out who approached who first who had to twist somebody's arm uh which you know who at the tv networks went to the big 10 and said this is a thing you should do i think all those things will come out in in due time and that's what i'm maybe more intrigued by as far as like again a lot of what's happening today is not seismic i mean it's it is for the pac-12 i suppose but for everybody else, this is just a continuation of, of what has been going on since what? Like Nebraska joined the Big Ten or mm-hmm. or since the Southwest Conference split up or whatever. Like the, the realignment thing has been going on for a while now. And we can complain about that all we want, but it's sort of inevitable. It's like I go back to uh, – the, the saying that Greg Schiano had at Big Ten Media Days when he was talking about NIL, it's like you can either change it or you can change the way you think about it. And you ain't changing it. Like this is what it is. There's no – you can stomp your feet and hold your breath and the, they're going to keep realigning and expanding. And that – there's a competition playing out there that maybe it's happening without the, the fans' hearts um, in mind. But that isn't going to stop them from doing it. So bemoan it and complain about it. And I'll even support that to some extent. But what's really going on is 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 this is this is just it. This was just an inevitable next step. And the Big Ten, from accounts that were out there, didn't want to be the team. Didn't want to be the entity that was like actively breaking up the Pac-12. I think they were waiting for the Pac-12 to fall apart on its own, so they said. But really, I mean, by taking USC and UCLA, that's what led us to this day. If you see USC and UCLA weren't going to Oregon and Washington weren't going to leave a Pac-12 that still had USC and UCLA. I guess I'll put it that way. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but in, in realignment's been a thing for for decades, as you said, this is not a new thing. Teams have moved conferences for quite a while now. But I do think there's a difference between realignment where it's Cincinnati is now in the Big 12 versus the blue bloods of college football are all centralizing in the two conferences. And that's a di- I think that's a different conversation. We're not – Andrew, you just listed off all of those teams. It's Ohio State, Michigan, USC, UCLA are all in one conference now. That wasn't the case five years ago. Oklahoma, Texas, all the, the the blue bloods of the North are all in one conference, basically, depending on how you want to view Los Angeles in this conversation. The blue bloods of the South at this point, outside of the ACC, which has continuously been the, the lone holdout here in this conversation, are all in the SEC. I do think that's a bigger conversation than just simply centralizing the money. You're centralizing the money. You're centralizing the interest. You're centralizing all the power. 
when you're talking about renegotiating TV contracts, whenever that happens again for all of these conferences, I think that's a little bit different than the basic realignment that we've grown accustomed to. Nebraska was once the outlier amongst those realignments, and now it's almost it's it's almost at the. I mean, if you started listing off programs who have moved conferences, I don't think Nebraska is one of the top five most drastic ones that have happened in the last decade at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's not the we're not. I, I think to go back to your original question, we're not at the NFLization, if you will, of college football, but I think we're getting close um, because I think. You, you you look at it and what is a true NFLization, if you will, of college football, right? Every big power is in two conferences, two leagues, whatever you want to call it. You've still got Clemson out there. You've still got Florida State out there. You've still got Notre Dame out there. You've still got a lot of bigger programs out there. So we're not there yet. I mean, we'll get there eventually. Um I am, to Nathan's point, going to stomp my feet and hold my breath and scream and pout about this whole thing. I, I, I think this sucks. I, um, I don't like it at all. I was looking – when Nathan was talking, um, I was looking it up because, you know, Nathan said, well, you have travel partners out west. The L.A. Coliseum to Autzen Stadium in Eugene, Oregon is a 13-hour and 33-minute drive per Google Maps, 862 miles. From Ohio Stadium to Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska, it is 12 hours and 17 minutes and 816 miles. So it's actually shorter if you got in your car and drove from the Horseshoe to Lincoln, Nebraska to go see a game than it would be to drive from L.A. to Eugene, Oregon. So the travel partner thing, I, I don't I don't buy. Like unless you're going to add Cal and Stanford, you're not giving USC and UCLA a ton out there. What you're doing is you're adding games that can kick off at 8, 9, 10, yeah. 11 p.m. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're not so much adding, uh, you know, a, like games where USC has a short flight away. Like I just said, it's 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 faster for Iowa to get to Nebraska and like, I don't know, Penn State, maybe Michigan than it is for USC and UCLA to get to Oregon and Washington. Like so you're, you're basically what this is, is this is a. Okay, well now we've got some games that we can we can I think what's going to happen is you're going to see quote unquote Pac-12 after dark. You're going to see that happen in the Big 10 where Oregon's going to host Minnesota, but that game can kick off at 10 at 10 p.m. because the NBC game is going to be Notre Dame somebody at 7 p.m. Like you you're going to have that. So I think that that was kind of the impetus of this impetus of this. I just don't like it. Um, I don't like what it means. I don't like what it's going to mean. I don't like what it insinuates about the future of college football. I understand this is an Ohio State podcast. Uh, I understand that this is a podcast for people who love the Buckeyes. And that's you know great. Good for it. Like Ohio State's fine. They're chilling. They're good. They're, they, whatever the next iteration of college football is going to be, whether who joins the Big Ten or whatever the Big Ten becomes or whatever college football becomes, Ohio State's going to have a seat at the table. They're going to be there. They'll be fine. I just think about, you know, I saw a quote today from Washington State's coach. I think about them. What about Oregon State? What about Stanford, Cal, Arizona State? What about, you know, all these schools, the ACC, Virginia Tech, you know, uh, Syracuse, like West Virginia, the schools that are getting left behind. I think it sucks for them. And I, I, again, I'm, 
I'm trying to shovel an avalanche. I get it. I, it's it, there's no way for me to get out of this. Um, I just don't like it. I, I don't like the the future that we have had. College football is better when it is a regional sport, when it is a sport where it is a coast to coast sport. And now what you're doing is you are consolidating everything. It's not so much realignment, like Stephen said. It's a consolidation. So I'm not a fan of it. I um I just think this whole thing is uh. This whole thing kind of sucks. I think the Stanford one might – I don't know anything about this. I don't know anything about Stanford. That one's interesting because that's also an AAU school. And so yep. far, the Big Ten has – even in its expansion, it's only added AAU schools. So you yep. brought up Florida State. You brought up Clemson early. You brought up the ACC Miami now has AAU membership. That, so does that, Notre that Dame. That becomes – but the, yes. So that's something to watch on. Which uh, How many of these other schools who aren't necessarily in the Big Ten or the SEC yet yeah. are AAU schools? But then also to your point that this is about money at the end of the day. At what point does the whole AAU part of this not matter? Because, as we just said, this is about money. Does this matter to Ohio State, actually? In the grand scheme of – because Gene Smith, when UCLA and USC got announced and they were doing the stance, we got to talk with Gene Smith about it. He talked about how with USC, it was just nice to have somebody who could help carry the load from a football program standpoint and just viewership standpoint and have someone who was eye to eye with them in a way that they hadn't necessarily had over the last 20 years here. Does Oregon and Washington, do either Oregon or Washington come under that same classification as another team on Ohio state football's level who can help carry some of this load? Or is it just kind of like, they just added two more teams. Does this actually matter to Ohio State at all? Well, I mean, that's a pretty big gulf. I mean, they're it's they're not adding two more Rutgerses here. Are they adding a USC? No. But they're not adding an Indiana. They're not adding even, I would say, a Minnesota. You're talking about two programs in Oregon and Washington that have made the college football playoff. You're talking about teams that I think are traditionally considered among the top, what would you say, like 15? In college football, yeah, 15, that's probably 20, fair. 20, depending on who you ask, you know, is how, how high people consider Washington. Um, I mean, it was just two years ago, Oregon came into Ohio Stadium and won a game. And sure. uh, so I th- now in the if this were all happening within the context of a four team playoff, I think people might be concerned about how much you're cranking up the competition in your conference. But they're going to 12 teams and. Sorry, Andrew. And uh, that's no longer really going to be a, a consideration. Like you, we've talked before. Like you, if against this kind of a schedule that you're about to play, you can probably go nine and three with the right kind of losses, and maybe still make a twelve team playoff if you're Ohio State. Certainly, certainly ten and two will get you in under almost any circumstances. So I, I don't know about the actual competitive ramifications here, other than. I think you are adding some interesting teams here. Uh, Ohio State has played Oregon before, has a recent history with them. Ohio State has played Washington before in Rose Bowls, and there's some recent history there, and had games scheduled, actually, with both of these programs, and that's going to have to change. That's going to be the ramification for Ohio State. It it, it had already canceled the Washington series, but now the Big Ten was like, no, we'll put that back on for you. Uh, Just spread it out a little bit, I guess. And Ohio State is scheduled. I, have, I forgot to go back and look, but they're still scheduled to play at Oregon to make up for the game they lost yeah. to COVID. And uh, 
now that game will just happen, you know, um, as, as part of the big 10, uh, schedule apparently. So I, I do, I think that this has like seismic, I use that word before I shouldn't, I should use a different one. It should have massive impact for Ohio state on top of whatever already happened. No, I think USC coming to the big 10 was the one that as Gene Smith pointed out, like now you've got someone that is kind of of your, is like a, is a competitive peer is a, a team that when it's going well, historically is as good as anybody. And there aren't that many programs that that really applies to. I would not apply that to Oregon with the flash that I had under Chip Kelly. I wouldn't apply that to Washington, even though I think they're a very solid program. There's, there's a small tier of teams that that applies to and, and USC and Ohio state are both in it. So that's the one that is the major um, assistance, if you want to even use that term. Some people look at it as for Ohio State. And this is just, I don't know, it's it's like just part, it's just, it's just part of what's going on now. Oregon th- and Washington feel closer to being Penn State peers. And Michigan's turned yeah. itself into one of the five best programs in the country. So I don't even. I would have. I think if Michigan hadn't have done a lot, what it did the last two years, years USC was your Ohio State out west, while Oregon and Washington were your Penn State and Michigan. And obviously, Michigan's changed the conversation there. Go ahead, Andrew. Well, I, I was going to say just to kind of build off of that. I think while they're not the peers of Ohio State, I do think something that I'm fascinated by by the twelve team playoff and by everything that's happening with conference realignment and everything like that, which by the way, like when we go to the 12 team playoff, you're going to have to change the format because like they were going to have a power five champ in no matter what we still like what, what happened? That's, uh, 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 that's my next question. Well, so, so what happened that's there? Me. Like, how do you do uh, that? So go ahead here. Go ahead. So when we were at big 10 media days, James Franklin said something that I thought was pretty ridiculous in the moment. He said that the goal is for the. I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have that not that in front of me. But he talked about the idea that the Big Ten should be able to get six teams into a 12 team playoff. Okay. And when I heard it hit my ears, I go, huh, "Okay, good luck with that one right there, my guy." But 18 teams in your conference, and you probably got five or six who are among the top 20 programs. In college football with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Oregon, USC, Washington, what Wisconsin might be able to do under Luke Fickle, uh, Chip Kelly might be getting something rolling there at UCLA. So that, that's eight. I just got the eight. What if, you know, what if Matt Rule gets it going at, at Nebraska? Is James Franklin no longer crazy for throwing out the number six for how many teams from the Big Ten should maybe be in the college football playoff? He's he's not necessarily wrong. Um, you know, I, six is still a lot. Uh, but think about it. Like Ohio State, Michigan, USC, Penn State, Oregon, there's five. I mean, does Washington make it? Does UCLA make it? Like, does Wisconsin? Like, you're going down the line and you, you kind of you, – you think six is a lot for a 12-team playoff. And then you get to you get to like four or five schools and you're like, oh, well, hang on a minute. Like, I I think that that matters. Now, one of the things, again, that I'm fascinated by with this whole thing with the the, the 12-team playoff and the conference realignment and everything, I mean, you guys were there. You guys had boots on the ground for this. 
when Ohio State allowed 21 points in the fourth quarter to Michigan and they finished the regular season and they didn't go to the Big Ten title game and everything kind of felt terrible, what were the conversations had about Ryan Day? What were the conversations had about Jim Knowles and the Ohio State Buckeye program after two straight losses to Michigan? They were not good. If you're in the, I think the fans are going to have to adjust their perspectives here because not, you are not playing Northwestern after Penn State. You are now like, we, we talked about Ohio State's schedule as like, hey, there are some, some tricky games here at Purdue. That place is never kind to them. Penn State at Wisconsin. That's a three-game stretch. Okay, well, that you guys talked about the Wisconsin game. Is, I think you both actually picked them to lose that Wisconsin game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you guys we both picked that done game. We haven't that yet. <laughs> What's that? I don't think we've done that pod yet, so I'm not sticking to that answer. I so, well, I, so per, But <laughs> either way, there was reference like, this game is going to be really difficult. Well, imagine now, instead of playing Rutgers that following week, imagine you got to play Washington. And even if it's at home, you got to play Washington. Like, I think we're going to get to a world where if you're in the NFL, like this is the NFLization argument all over again. If you're in the NFL, if you're a fan of the Cincinnati Bengals and the Bengals go nine and three to start the season, you are talking about Zach Taylor being coach of the year. You are talking about Joe Burrow being MVP. You are talking about them being the number one seed in the AFC. You are talking about them in such a different manner. If you go nine and three at Ohio State, there are people doing the Friday Night Lights thing where they're putting for sale signs in Ryan Day's front yard. Like they are terrified of going nine and three. That would be a disaster if Ohio State goes nine and three. Not in this new world. Not if you have to play these teams over and over and over again. And again, if you get to a 12 team playoff, where you're like, I mean, look, college kids are so unpredictable where we've seen it where Ohio State can go to Purdue on a night game and lose. You know, Ohio State can lose randomly to an Iowa the week after a very, very tough and grueling Penn State game in 2017. Like you can lose these big time games and then stumble the following week. So I think fans and also the college football playoff landscape is going to have to readjust their expectations because nine and three now is not going to be what you think of nine and three, two years down the line when all of these schools join and all of these schools consolidate. The reason why James Franklin's statement was a little far-fetched to me was simply because it's a 12 team playoff. One of the criteria for making the playoff is the top six conference champions get in like the six highest ranked conference champions. So the power five champions all get in and then a so you're gonna tell me that the Big Ten is basically gonna sweep all the at larges? Like that seems a little far fetched <laughs> to me. Now, what will change it a little bit is like the Pac-12 is sort of disintegrating in front of our eyes. So if they're no longer considered Power Five, which they're borderline as it is uh, now, um, then now they probably rewrite the rules a little bit. And now it's a different number of teams that are locked in. So it opens up another at-large spot. Six is still a lot. I think like four is still a more realistic number to like really push for, even after expansion. And again, yeah, it's going to mean that there are teams that are pretty good that are going to have a harder time getting in. So, but that is going to affect, again, I think down to like that Minnesota tier, did it just become harder for Minnesota to make the playoff? Yeah, I think it absolutely did. 
it, it certainly did when they brought in UCLA and, 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 and USC, and it's now even tougher. I think they just brought in two programs better than yours. But I, I don't know that it affects Ohio State all that much. I think Ohio State's chances of getting in are pretty much the same as they always were. And if I could add yeah, one more thing to that real quick, think about, I mean, the Big Ten argument, like Nathan was just saying, four is more realistic. Okay, go to the SEC. Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Texas. There's four. Uh, Oklahoma, yeah. five. Like, there, there's there's going to be so, a, a war between those two conferences for at-large bids. And, there, I and mean, just, <laughs> just to reiterate, like, I, they haven't started the 12-team playoff yet. Those, yeah. those rules may not be set in stone. There may be some rewriting of the rules when you get to a reality where the landscape of college football looks very different than when you wrote them. I am wondering how much more change we see over the next years before that comes too into much. place. And they actually have to set some of these <laughs> rules. Any <laughs> equals too much. This, yeah, any yeah, equals too much. Yeah. If, if you couldn't tell, I am not happy by today's news. I was driving back today and yeah. I was like, I was trying to keep it in so I could like unload all of this on the podcast and just yeah, like, save it for the I didn't pod. want to say anything to anybody because yeah. I, I wanted to be able to talk about this for the first time on the pod. So yeah, not happy. Bad day. I, I love it. I love every bit of it, man. I, I do, regardless of whether it plays out or not. There is a world that exists out there with how things are currently set up now that Oregon and Washington are in the Big Ten, Big Ten, where ten of the twelve spots you would be able to make an argument belong to teams from either the SEC or the Big Ten. Whether it plays out that way is a different conversation, but you might be able to say that on a given year where it's like. If you're in the ACC or the Big 12, which I don't even know if that's considered about Power 5 at this point, or the Pac-12, it's unless you win your conference, you're probably not going to make the playoff because all the teams who legitimately have championship-caliber rosters are in one of two conferences. We'll probably touch back on this. We'll probably get, I would assume we get Gene Smith at some point in the coming weeks because this is pretty – decently sized news where he likes to talk after stuff like this. And so we'll probably come back with a pod if, and when that, uh, that happens and we get Gene Smith in the meantime, this has been Andrew, you got your first emergency pod. How you feeling, man? You get, you're doing a lot of first this month. Yeah. Um, I wish this was like Ohio state names a starting quarterback emergency pod, because then I could be like, Hey, Buckeye fans, like this is good news. Whereas I get on the pod and I have to be like, I have to be Debbie Downer for this one because Steven's like, I don't know what you're talking about. This is great. I love it. I'm a fan of it. And I have to sit here and be like, this sucks. I missed the Southwest conference, even though I wasn't alive for it. I, I, I want these, <laughs> I want regional rivalries. I miss all of that. I miss, I miss old, like, I just love old school college football. I think that's what makes it cool. I think that's what makes it unique. And I don't like, I like when every game matters. And now I, like I just said, I don't think every game's going to matter anymore because if Ohio state loses to Oregon, Oh, well, this is a man whose old school college football is technically just watching USC and Texas playing a national championship. Yeah. The first, game. But the first college football game I ever remember was Ohio state, Miami in the national title game, or at least the one that you- I have like the vi- most vivid memories of. Coming from the man who also says he misses the Southwest Conference. Yep. That'll wrap this up. Next thing you'll hear from us will be Monday. Mark it down Monday. We'll be marking down who we think the starting quarterback is. Though I have a strong hunch that I think that we're all going to be on the same page with this one, unlike other Mark it down Mondays in the past so far this year. From Nathan Baird, for Andrew Gillis, I'm Stephen Means, and that was an emergency Buckeye talk. <laughs>